Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Friday, August 20th, and playoffs, we're talking about the playoffs because the first round of the PLL 2021 race to the crown is here. We've got the quarterfinals going down starting tonight in Salt Lake City. I'm Jordy from Barstool with me. As always, we've got Shido and Dukes on the mics. Boys, regular season wrapped up. We got the quarterfinals going down this weekend. How are we feeling heading into these final six games of the PLL year? Feels like this year's taken forever. Is it, am I am I right on that, or do we it feel ha- it has been a lot of bye weeks? It has been long. <laughs> do, yeah, do I do I, is I feel like we've been watching the PLL for months, which is like I think that's how it's supposed to feel, right? Like I'm supposed to feel like there's so much lacrosse that's been had, and I'm I mean it's it's been awesome, and it's it's like mixed feelings going into the playoffs, right? Because it's you know this is when everybody gets serious. They start you know clear it out the waiver wire and then you know they they start looking at you know playoff scenarios and ramping things up and at the same time it's like wow it's almost over so um mixed feelings for me dukes how, how, how about yourself no i think you make a good point i can't tell if the season's just gone really fast or it was so fa- i mean really slow or if this year was so fast last year with the bubble like the quick two weeks that we're not even used to it or we forget how slow 2019 was so yeah indifferent about it um excited for the playoffs is when stuff really gets to rev up you know you see teams that maybe have a lower seed that you can make a playoff push so it'll be exciting to see how this whole thing shakes out yeah um so you know unfortunately uh you know eight teams in the league this year only seven advanced to the quarterfinals so um our, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the Chrome LC. Uh, their season has unceremoniously come to an end. Um, quick shout out to uh, Joel White and, and John Galloway, um, a couple of legends who have played together for uh, at least over a decade at this point. Um, so they'll be, you know, they'll, they mentioned that they were going to be hanging them up together at the end of the Chrome season. Um, I'm sure that they were kind of hoping that maybe they would have one more week ahead of them. Uh, but after losing that game to the Cannons on uh, Saturday, uh, Cannons sneak in there as the seven seed uh, in this tournament. And uh, the, the Chrome, I mean, it was a tough year for them right from the get, right? Like losing Jordan Wolf that early, uh, no Randy Stotts, and then, you know, just a little dismantled by injuries. And then also, you you know, you end up trading away Justin Gutterding right before the end of the season. So, um, you know, tough, tough go for the Chrome who, um, I, mean, I mean, I think that they're going to need, uh, they're going to need a lot of help moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that the the biggest part, I think the biggest part of the Chrome's season was being crushed by not having Jordan Wolf. You know, on paper, they have a lot of guys who can really play. Um, but at the same time, it's like they didn't get rolling quick enough. Um, and, you know, back to, you know, definitely got to give a, a shout out, you know, to Joel White and John Galloway, two guys who have really like inspired a, you know, thousands and thousands of lacrosse players. I remember watching Joel White and being like, that's, that's the dude that I want to be to a guy who can pick up the ball and play offense and stay on the field as long, you know, as long as he can with a pole, that shit was too much fun to watch. Um, 
I, I mean, yeah, it, it's – I don't know. The, the, the Chrome, to me, have always seemed like this team that's got a bunch of talent, but they're not really very cohesive. So maybe you fill in the gaps here and there. But they also have a, a few young guys that are really making it, you know, making it worthwhile like Jackson Morrill. So, I don't know. It sucks for them. Um, but that was kind of, you know, that, that win and end game. Um, unfortunately it just kind of didn't shake out for them, but I, I think that, you know, they were in a lot of the games that they played. They just, you know, missed the mark here and there. So, um, <laughs> never thought that the cannons would have to be like, you know, like a, like a, I'm always missed. I'm constantly mystified by how the cannons are, you know, win and in, you know, it had to be win and in considering that they had, uh, you know, two of the top scorers with Ryan Drenner and Lyle Thompson and, you know, Rabel putting on a show for his girlfriend. Like this is, it's like, how in the world are they constantly at the bottom of, you know, the standings? So I, I, I don't know. Um, mixed feelings about the Chrome, uh, but uh, looking forward to seeing how the cannons perform in the playoffs, I guess. Uh, I mean, that, that win and end was really big for them, you know, in terms of like a morale standpoint. I mean, still, like, the Chrome do have pieces that they can work with. I mean, they got young players. They still have Giles Harris. He didn't play at all this year, so you have something to look forward to in that. And I think Ryan Terrafanko had a pretty decent year, and same with Heacock. So they have pieces. They can rebuild. Pseudo's got to get it figured out for, uh, for the Chrome, but this just wasn't the year. I mean, hopefully Jordan Wolf can get healthy and return to his form because I thought he played very well in the bubble. But, yeah, I mean, the Cannons just squeezing by. Um, you know, I think, I think they're a team going into the playoffs. They have nothing to lose and they have enough talent that they could surprise a lot of people. You I mean, you saw what the chaos did last year, zero wins in the bubble, make their way all the way to the uh, championship game. So cannons kind of have that same, that same feel to them, that same, that they, they could get it done if they, uh, they get knock off a couple wins. Yeah. I mean, Again, like you look at this canon and like obviously like face offs is like a huge thing. So like kind of just depends on uh I don't I don't really know. I guess like I don't know, like sometimes like a goalie can get hot at the right time and you know you can kind of ride that. I don't really see like I feel like face off guys, like you kinda have to get like real lucky if if they're gonna be, you know, like you're going up against Trevor Baptiste in this game. So it's not like you're gonna be able to get hot and just win like 80% because you're going up against Baptiste. So like that's still gonna be a little bit of a, a tough one for them. Um but yeah I mean just sneaking in like that was probably the toughest part about their whole season. Um but you know a first year team so maybe you can kind of like blame it on that like yeah you know like they've got a lot of talent but they just haven't really played together so maybe they just weren't able to kind of um get things going at the end uh of games and like really like figure out a way to piece together some of those wins um but i'll tell you what another so they're no longer a new expansion team this is their second uh season in the pll but the first like actual year because like it's tough to call the pll bubble like an actual season but shout out to the water dogs, Matt. What an absolute, um, what, what, a, what a nice little comeback story for the water dogs. This is a team where they're getting bullied relentlessly by their own ownership. Um, you know, it looks like Steve Cohen right now kind of taking a page out of uh, the Barstool Big Cat playbook there, and he's kind of shitting on the Mets right now on Twitter. Um, but people forget that Big Cat and PFT and part of my take guys kind of uh, paved the way for that way of owners to really 
just bullied the shit out of their team um, on, on social media, but they bullied the water dogs to the point where they got the first seed in the playoffs. So they'll have a buy directly to Philly for the semifinals. So they won't be playing in this quarterfinal game. Um, I will say this is something that I, I brought up a couple times. So, um, you know, I'm going to ask you guys a question then you can also talk about the water dogs in general, but rust versus rest. You think about, you know, this, this water dogs team pretty hot right now. And, um, but they're going to have to not play this weekend in salt Lake city. And then there's going to be a bye weekend and then we'll get to uh, September 5th in Philly. So do you think that this is a little too much time off for the dogs? Uh, and then also, how do you guys feel about, you know, the water dogs being able to uh, turn it on here, especially in the second half of the season to get that one seed? Dukes, you can take this one first. I mean, Rust versus Rust. I think this whole entire year has been just Rust. I mean, Rust. So I don't think the Water Dogs will really be affected by one, a one-week break too much. But what the Water Dogs have done has been nothing short of a miracle by God. There's no other way to explain it. It was almost overnight. And we thought it was because they only win two, like games when they have two games in a weekend. But their defense, I've been screaming this, their defense is so, so, so good. Ben Randall, uh, Liam Burns, Eli Gobrecht, they are the foundation of that defense, obviously. And then Dylan Ward backending it. He turned his game up to a whole new level. There was, like, by week four when he had, like, a 38% save percentage, I was asking, is he washed up? Like, was the rust from last year affecting him at all? He's the best goalie in the league, in my opinion, right now. Um, you know, you're talking about goalies being hot, especially going into the playoffs. He's, he's extremely hot right now. And then Jake Withers at the X. I mean, you look at those like numbers that like Joe Keegan will put on Twitter, where it's like he doesn't even win the clamp, but the wings will get the face-off win for him. So the Water Dogs are a dangerous team. Ethan Walkers came along very well for them. So, I mean, I think the Water Dogs do have what it takes. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, that they have to play either the Redwoods or the Whip Snakes potentially in the uh, second round. So that that's not great for a Water Dogs reporter. But what they've done, what they got, what they've done this season has been uh, amazing. So real quick, just just on that defense, like especially so, like just going back through some of the scores. Um, you know, they had that 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 week three performance where poor Dylan Ward was just getting splashed to the high heavens by the archers. Um, that was just a combination of the water dogs playing like dog shit and the archers really feeling themselves in Baltimore. Um, so he got 17 hung on him in that game. The following week, they lose 19, 16 to the Redwoods. Um, but after that, so after week four, like you mentioned, I don't think that they've given up more than 10 goals in a single game. So, uh, they give up seven to the cannons in week five. They have two games that week. They give up six to the Chrome. So that's only 13 total in the, in the weekend with two games. Uh, they gave up six to the whip snakes in week seven. Granted that was without Matt Rambo. Um, we've seen whip snakes with Matt Rambo are two time reigning champs whip snakes without Matt Rambo lose 16 to six to the Chrome. So kind of different teams there, but either way, only giving up six to the whip snakes there. And then, uh, you know, this past week, uh, they take down the atli in that winner takes one seed, uh, matchup. So, you know, 10 to nine win there. So, you know, that's, they haven't given up more than 10 goals in a game since week four. 
I mean, so I agree with Duke's assessment of the, of the defense, the water dogs defense, like certainly like over the top, like Eli Gobrecht is amazing. Liam Burns is also a fantastic defenseman. Um, I just, I'm, I don't know. The, the water dogs seem kind of like this, like ragtag group that you kind of throw together and they're like the best men's league team you've ever seen. Like none of these guys are like, it's, it's Mikey Slosher is like the epitome (laughs) of what you're talking about. Like it's like Mikey Schlosser. Like I wouldn't have been surprised if like, you know, Mikey Schlosser is like the guy who shows up and you're like, dude, this guy is a fucking squid. And he's wearing like a five-year-old bucket and he's got these old ratty arm pads and he goes out there and he hangs eight on like the, 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 the goaltender. Right. So I just like, you've got like Ryan Brown, you've got Mikey Schlosser, you got, I just, it, you run well, down Ryan, the whole Ryan roster. Ryan Brown always looks the part though. Oh, Ryan but, Brown always yeah. looks the part, but I'm saying like, you've got this like ragtag group that like, you know, Mikey Schlosser and Ryan Brown are not this like, are like polar opposites. Right. And it's just, it somehow they make it work. And I think that the water dogs do the best job of make of just making it work and grinding. And I think that that's why they, they secured the number one seed because they took, you know, they don't have like a, they don't have like a flavor of their team, right? Like the whip sinks is all Maryland guys. Right. So they, they kind of, you know, run like a, a kind of like pseudo Maryland offense. Right. But like the water dogs just took what they had and said, okay, we're going to use We're going to play everyone's strength and we're going to crush. And also having Dylan Ward in net doesn't hurt. Just be honest. Um, so that's, I mean, that's my assessment on the water dogs for rest versus rust. Um, I mean, I'm like, I'm a huge, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of rest. The body needs it, but at the same time, like you want to get as many reps as possible and be as fresh and keep your muscles activated. So, um, I don't know. I'm still out on rest versus rust personally. I don't know how I feel. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. Like, like you'll see these teams who have like a pretty like strong identity on who they are. And it's like, um, you know, if, if like that isn't working for them in that particular day, they might end up looking pretty bad. Um, the water dogs don't really necessarily have that. So like, if something's going wrong for them, like if Ryan Brown's just, if his like stroke just isn't as pure as they come that day, then you have that grease ball. Mikey Slosher is able to just run through five guys put together a hat trick and um so like they have more i don't know i guess they're just a little bit more versatile that way which seems to be working out for them so shout out to the dogs dogs on top we won't be seeing them uh play this weekend but we still do have three games on the slate for the quarterfinal matchups in salt lake city uh so we might as well get right into those um so it all starts tonight 8.30 p.m. on NBCSN. We've got the Archers taking on the Chaos. So uh, these two teams, all these teams have played twice before so far this season. They split the regular season matchup one and one. So week two, uh, Archers put a nice little 12 to 8 beat down on the Chaos. And then uh, in week eight, the Chaos were able to come out on top with a 11 to 9 win. So uh, they'll be... This is this will be the rubber match here. Um, also, have to keep in mind, Connor Fields made this matchup possible, right? So we go back to the final game of the regular season. Um, 
Archers whip snakes. This one goes into overtime at Tom and Mary Casey Stadium. Only fitting as Ryan Boyle or yeah, Ryan Boyle would, would put it uh, that Connor Fields put that one away in overtime back in the homeland. So uh, Connor Fields gets the Archers that three seed, which then matches them up against the chaos. Just so happens to be the team that traded him away uh, after he was a MVP finalist for them just two summers ago. So uh, Connor Fields revenge tour. Does it roll on into the quarterfinals? Yes. Also, also Ian McKay revenge tour too, because we've seen Ian McKay, good friend of the program also have uh, a monster season this year with the chaos, both with a short stick and a long pole. Um, so Connor Fields and or Ian McKay revenge tour. Uh, certainly the Connor Fields revenge tour. Um, I think that the archers had the best chance last year in the bubble to take down, uh, I think they had the the best chance last year and the year before to take down the whip snakes. Um, personally, you know, even though the redwoods have made it, I think that the the archers had the best chance considering what they have. And now with Grant Amen and Connor fields, I think they have an even better chance. Um, I've seen a lot of brackets floating around and a lot, a lot, a lot of them have the archers in the finals. Um, some of them even have the archers winning. I think that Connor the Connor Fields Reventure carries on. Uh, I think he's found the way. And I think we said this a long time ago, you know, when Connor Fields got traded, it was like, how do they fit a guy who's used to having the ball into the offense where all they do is share the ball and Connor Fields is, is doing just that. He's, he's getting the ball shared to him and he's putting it in the back of the net. So kind of a little different role situation for him, right? He's a, he's a, he's a you know, that's like a, a, a huge role player um, mentality. Like I'll do whatever it takes. So I think the Connor Fields revenge tour carries on. Ian McKay has just been an absolute dog this year. Um, but picking up the pole, the picking place. up the shorty all over the place. He's just, he's mean on defense and he's great in transition and just hammering those two balls. Um, he he plays uh, he plays angry, and and you love to see that. Like you love you love to see the intensity out there. Um, he also tweets angry too. Those are all those are those are always nice to see. Um, other than that, I mean, I'd say the archers have a better chance than the chaos. I, I don't I don't see the chaos. <sighs> I don't see the chaos like going deep into a game with the whip snakes, right? Like I, or, or like going deep in the game with the archers. They just, the chaos are more slow and methodical. I see the, the chaos having like a real deep game with like the water dogs, you know, like, or, or having a real deep game with uh, maybe the cannons or something like that. But it's just their style of offense is not the same as, uh, as some other teams. Dukes, what do you think? Yeah, Dukes, before you hop in here, let me just mention that over on the Barstool Sportsbook, uh, you can get Archers as the favorites on the money line here at minus 210, uh, Chaos Underdogs at plus 160, and the over-under on this game set at 23 and a half. If, if I know Dukes, like I think I know Dukes, he's ready for some goddamn goals in this game. I was. That's exactly what I was thinking was I'm not touching this game staying away from everything in this game because Archer's minus one and a half with my luck. I know if I'll take that, there's no chance. The, the, I hate the way that it's only minus one and a half plus one and a half in this league. And then minus two ten is too much juice for me to take Archer's, but uh, I'll probably stay away from this one. But 
just uh, if you also look at like the futures, you got Archers plus three hundred, Water Dogs plus three hundred as the favorites to uh, win it all. So that's something to look at. But you can get the Whip Snakes plus three seven five. So something to keep your eye out for. Um, uh, there's all, to to even to even more cement your uh, cement cement your I'm not touching this. Uh, we've got playoff bracket percentages. Eighty seven percent of people have the Archers. Over the chaos, leaving thirteen percent thinking yeah. the chaos are going to win. That's the public, and it, it, that's the thing about this league is everyone thinks that the, it's such like an easy thing, like an easy read. You just look at the archers, like they're going to beat yep. the chaos, and the chaos are still so fucking good that they can yep. go out and win this game by four goals, and everyone be like, "Oh, well, what happened?" It's like because this league, there's just such a small margin of error. But this is a take that I don't even know if I have public, but I just need to walk back on it. I was a big Connor Fields hater. Like huge for the past two years, even when he won MVP, I really, really didn't think that he'd fall into this Archer's offense. I thought he was a ball hog. I thought he slowed down offenses. I thought the ball would be cemented in a stick. So I just got to clap it up, clap it up real quick for Connor Fields. He has made the Archers a better team. They are a more dangerous team going into this playoffs than the other two previous years. And I think that he's going to fucking kick ass against the chaos and shove, sh- shove it up. He towers his ass because I mean he got disrespected. But on the other hand, but on the yeah. other hand, Ian McKay and the Chaos have being the underdogs in the game, right? Like th- that underdog, that underdog juice. You know, like oh, I would, you know. I would love to know. Like they <sighs> they've put out enough video that it looks like some of the guys still get fired up when Andy Towers is just screaming his his brains out in the locker room. There has to be a certain point, though, where you're like, "All right, like, you you just you just put your volume all the way up. Like, can you just like say something that's like actually helpful here instead of like, we're gonna go out, we're gonna rip those motherfuckers' heads off, and we're gonna be the guy in the bar who fucking throws the first punch and then also throws the last punch and fuck these fuckers and the fuck them in the fucking ass. Like, there's gotta <laughs> be like some point where it's like, all right, well, like, can you can you like run a play, like?" like <laughs> play or something for us here coach like we kind of need something like that instead of just a bunch of f-bombs so um like yeah i'm sure that andy towers will have the boys feeling real disrespected and, and going out for blood um but i think like if there's anyone on the field who's going to have that assassin mentality where it's like a like you did me dirty now like fuck you, like I'm going to shove it right up your hoop. Um, definitely Connor Fields in this one. So um, the number, the, the public numbers do worry me a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm well, rolling. The public, are, the public are idiots. Well, yeah. yeah, but like I'm an idiot too. So maybe, mm. so maybe two idiots cancel out each other. Um, Dukes, it looks like you had something to say. Yeah, because this is, it's something great has happened this regular season. And I think that everyone needs to know. I'm going to fill everyone in. Jared Newman is no longer the number one defender on the chaos. It's Jack Rowlett. It's just a it's, fact now. I mean, Jack Rowlett. It's like, always been Jack. No, it, it, it has. It has. But it's been solidified this season because last year was just two weeks in the bubble. 2019 was a dick-sucking fest for Jared Newman. This year is Jack Rowlett's year. He's a top four defender, in my opinion, in the PLL. He's had a fucking phenomenal year. He's been shutting down some of the league's best attackmen. I think he held Pinnell to zero goals uh, on Sunday. So shout out Rowlett. He, he can definitely shut down like one of the one of the attackmen on the archers. But Jared Newman's guy is probably going to have a field day. He's well, also you saw pretty it. good. 
Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Well, Rowlett went over the head on Grant Amen and took the yeah. ball away from him. That was disgusting. Yeah. And he's Demer also class like a, is going to put out a video about that. I'm sure he, he's he's a good shit talker in the sense of like he'll just like there was the video of him asking uh, Pinnell about like how much he squats because his ass was like looking huge. So like he's like <laughs> good at like throwing you off your game enough without like giving you any like extra material to go back at him. Right. Like. Like you look at a guy like you you look at a guy like a like a uh, Jared Newman who's like a, you should have slid you should have slid and yeah it's like good shit talk but then you just like fire up the other team but imagine being Rob Pinnell and you're like walking around out there and Jack Rowlett's like asking you like hey man like how can I get an ass like yours like you're thrown off your game but you're also like not like pissed off enough about it to be like I really need to like go after this kid now um, so I think that's that is a nice little advantage and like I, I think you know if he's covering Grant Ament in this quarterfinal matchup I think great Grant is a great talent um, I, I don't really think that he's any good when it comes to the back and forth banter so he could be put in the verbal blender in this one I think Grant Ament was just the best shit talker in the PLL and like nobody knew <sighs> I, I would, I would, the, it would be like, what do you think he says? Like, what would his shit talk be? Nothing. He, he, ref, he barely engages my yeah. ankle socks talk. So, the, I, so I don't think he's like think an Andrew so. Luck. He's Andrew Luck. No, I don't think he's like an Andrew Luck. There's a couple guys in the league that are probably like an Andrew Luck, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seems like a, Amen. It seems like a. Um, hey man, can you please not talk to me right now? I'm trying to play lacrosse pretty well. No, he seems like a like a like a. Uh, he'll talk big when his teammates do something. Like we like when we interviewed Chris Gray, and Chris Gray said that he's not a shit talker, which is not true. We know he is. Um, he was lying. Uh, but like like when his teammate does something big, he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, too. Like I got you. I see you too. Like you know, or something like that. It's like you know, yeah. it's like a talking shit like pumping up his teammate type deal. Yeah, I don't like I don't think Amen's an in your face guy. I just don't believe that. I, he's, no, like running, not, he's running by the defender and he's like he's like, wow, you really smoked that dude. Like he's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah one of those like it. yeah all day baby yeah. yeah all day baby all day one of those yeah, yeah. <laughs> running run for the hogs speaking louder. I, I, I get that <laughs> at the end of the day though I'm still going archers um but I do think that uh you know if, if there were lines on the on, on the banter for that matchup, I'd, I'd go Rowlett big. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. Kind of, I'm all, I've hit my quota on the amount of times that I can watch Andy Towers, uh, you know, pump up speeches. So I'm, I'm an AT guy. I know. I'm a hardo. I like, I, I like, he gets me going. I loved it for so long, but now I'm just like, all right, give me something a little bit more, you know, give, give me, I don't know. He's, he's a tight cast in my, in my book at this time. So I just want sick goals. Um, and I think that the archers will provide us with more of those. Um, all right. Well, talking about one ninety nine who has been having a monster season in Jack Rowlett. Let's talk about the other 99 who Jack Rowlett on this very podcast, uh, boldly claimed that, you know, he was better than, uh, but it has been quite the Renaissance year for one Paul Rabel, um so i mean obviously the cannons had to sneak their way they had to kind of backdoor their way uh into the playoffs but uh paul rabel 26 points on the year 
16 goals, two, two bombs, six assists. Uh, Lyle also right up there in the top three in points with 32 on the year. So uh, cannons and Atlas. So this will be Saturday, 2.30 PM on NBC. Uh, you can catch that. Uh, and on the Barstool Sportsbook app right now, we've got the Atlas as your two seed as the favorites at minus 186. And Cannons, you're getting them at plus 145. Over under on this one, pretty big, 25 and a half. And obviously, the big one here, Rabel Revenge, right? So uh, these two teams met in week three. Atlas took them down 18 to 17. And then again, in week seven, another one goal win for the Atlas 13 to 12. So Rabel still seeking that first bit of revenge against his former team. Uh, and uh, again, you know, a little back, little um, cloudiness on, you know, how well that trade was received by Rabel. I, I would, I would have thought that it was like, constructed by him to go back to the cannons to the same team that he started his professional lacrosse career with. Uh, but it seems like maybe he was a little salty about the trade. I don't know. Uh, but either way, Atlas cannons, uh, Atlas looking to make it a clean sweep with three wins in three meetups boys. Who do you like in this one? Uh, the numbers, the numbers say Atlas, uh, pretty simple. The, the, the numbers are going to say Atlas. Um, the story, however, reads better for the cannons. Uh, how, how, oh God, I hate this. How much of a good story would it be if the cannons lost like four or five one goal games and then finally got their one goal game over the Atlas? You always got to root for the story. Like got to root right, for the, the you, are you, So like, are you rooting for the story or are you looking at the numbers? Um, because like on paper, the Atlas should probably double them up but in terms of like what makes a good story the cannons winning makes a much better story um but you know okay rabel uh the biggest shout out to rabel goes to it goes to him for taking care of himself and i and and working as hard as he can to stay healthy you know, battling through a hamstring injury because those things, a hamstring injury is fucking awful, right? That can take, that can take you out for weeks at a time, but battling through the hamstring injury and staying healthy enough and producing in, you know, a sport where when you get to, you know, your mid thirties, you know, your early to mid thirties, like your performance starts to decline. Well, Rabel's is only increased. So kudos to him, right? That's, that's fantastic. But is it going to be enough to battle with these young guns in a playoff. Um, I don't know. You know, you, you could see, you could see Lyle, you know, I, I, there's a scenario out there where Lyle has a 12 point game and they crush the Atlas. And there's a scenario out there where Jeff Teat has eight points and Jake Carraway snaps and the Atlas double up on, on the cannons. So I think it'll, okay. I think it'll be a better game than most people think. Um, but I would probably have to go with the popular opinion and take the Atlas. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm with you. I also think that I have this mentality, especially in the NFL with the playoffs, you play a division rival two times, you go two and oh, play them third time in the playoffs. It's tough to beat a team three times, especially in the same calendar year. So 
as much as my heart says the Atlas, I put the Atlas in my bracket. I think that the Atlas are going to make the championship game. The Cannons could sneak this out. Um, so nothing would really surprise me because, as we say, nothing really surprises me in this league. But I do like the over. I like over the uh, over 25 and a half. Yeah, over 25 and a half. And I'm going to take Atlas minus one and a half. But I'm going to do a little Jake here, and I'm going to say, but I will not be surprised if the Cannons win or cover. I think, I mean, I, I think there's, this, again, like there's definitely a scenario out there where the Cannons come out with this one. I, I don't yeah. I don't disagree with that because I think that they're a great, I think the Cannons are a fantastic team. Um, I also think that, you know, uh, you look at Lyle and it's like, you know, what it, he has the chance to take over the entire game and he, and he does that constantly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would love for the cannons to win. I think I, I'm rooting for the story. You know? I, I think that the story is great. I love stories. You're going to hit me with the butt, aren't you? But also like it, it's just, one team has Jeff Teat and the other team doesn't. And I think that that's what this really comes down to. Like Lyle Thompson, unbelievable. One of the best lacrosse players on the world now. One of the best lacrosse players on the world who has ever lived. One of the best lacrosse players in the world for however long this giant spinning rock that we're on continues to exist. With that being said, uh, we are seeing the, uh, you know, we've, we've seen Jeff Teat just come in and absolutely take over this game. And we've seen Jeff Teat have a monster game against the Cannons before. Uh, if you go back to that week three matchup, Teeter with a nine point game with seven goals and two assists. Um, I just think that he, out of everybody on the field, he is the biggest killer, right? Like he's the guy who I think, um, like just kind of has that mentality where it's not only does he want to beat you, but he wants to humiliate you in the process. And that was before, um, you know, so Costaville had, you know, he had a goal in that game. Caraway had a couple, um, but that was before the resurgence of Doc's Aiken as well. So I just think that the young guns on this Atlas team are playing a little too well right now uh, for the cannons to keep up with. I think it'll be a close game, kind of like what you said, Jake. I mean, with both games being one goal games, I'm not going to go out here and say that the Atlas are going to come out and just absolutely fucking smoke the cannons. Um, But I I like the Atlas in this one to move on. I I like the Atlas to move on to Washington for the final as well. Yeah. Also, Castable. Castable has, I think, also has that like killer instinct where you're saying like he wants to not only win but he wants to kill you. I think he's I think he's t- like he's one of my I think he might be my favorite player in the PLL to be honest when it's all said and done. Uh him, Bucaro, Romar, Docs, I just think their midfield line is superior to the Cannons, so I think that's going to be a huge X factor and obviously Trevor Baptiste will control the X. Yeah. Um, they will be without Brent Adams. Um, should also mention that the chaos in that first game will be without uh, Chris Cluche as well. Um, so both of those guys will be out. But um, I, I think even with the loss of Brent Adams at that midfield lineup, I, I just, again, I think that the Atlas play too angry. Um, and they're, you know, Lyle is so fucking good, but I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know. 
can you rely on on just being that good like when you're going up against a bunch of fucking killers this is one of those ones where i'm i'm rooting for the bad guy in this movie and then speaking of playoff killers let's talk about absolute assassins when the season is on the line uh the pll put this stat out on twitter and instagram and it blew my mind all right so let's talk about Pro field lacrosse, because I don't want any of you box lacrosse players to come out here and tell me all about how, you know, John Grant Jr. and John Tavares have all these other points in the NLL. In pro field lacrosse history, all-time playoff points leaders. All right, so number one, you've got John Grant Jr., who has 59 playoff points in 17 games. Number three, you have Casey Powell, with 40 points in 13 games, right? So a couple legends of the game right there, right? John Grant Jr. at one, Casey Powell at three. Does anybody want to take a wild guess at who is sitting in the middle of those guys in number two? I mean, I know who it is because I saw the, I saw the I mean, graphics. I'm so guess, go. Can I guess? Can I, I don't know. Can I guess where he's from? Go ahead. Probably say like Long Island probably. If he's like, yeah, probably Long Island if it's someone that's clutch and like really good at lacrosse and all that. I'll just guess. Yeah, but he couldn't be from Garden City or else he would suck. Um, <laughs> yes. Matt Cavanaugh, 11 games, 46 points in the playoffs. Like, that is a wild, wild – like, that's crazy to think about how good he has been in the playoffs in his pro lacrosse career. Um, so, Matt Cav and the Redwoods, they'll be having their 2019 uh, – crown championship rematch against the whip snakes jake you and i were there in philly for that one just two septembers ago redwoods and whip snakes meeting up in the quarterfinals the final game of this weekend saturday 6 p.m on nbc sports network uh these two teams met up in week five and the redwoods put a little beat down on the whip snakes there uh 13 to 7 granted that was with that was Sons, Matt Rambo. Uh, and then they met up again just this past weekend in, um, up in Albany, and the Whip Snakes came away with the 14-12 to 12 win. So uh, 2019 rematch, Redwoods, obviously led by Matt Cavanaugh, who has proven to be a playoff killer, uh, does look like they will be without um, TD in this game, so that might hurt a little bit. Uh, so, boys – do we go recency bias here at, with, you know, the whip snakes obviously coming out on top just this past matchup? Um, or do you think that that's going to add a little fuel to the Redwoods fire? Um, don't want to make light of any forest fire jokes. I, I know that that's a, a serious issue, but um, does that light the Redwoods fire heading into the quarterfinal matchups? I think yes and no. Um, oh, perfect. I, I th- perfect. I, <laughs> of course, I, I love I love to play both sides because then I can truly never be wrong. Um, so I mean, the Redwoods and the Whip Snakes team. It's actually funny because the the core of the Redwoods and Whip Snakes teams are pretty much the same since 2019. So you, all of the same core players are there, um, and you've really got the Whip Snakes offense against the the Redwoods the Redwoods defense. However, that Redwoods offense has, you know, been able to score all year. Um, God, it's almost like you just you 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 the way that you predict the outcome of these games is you say, okay, who's going to show up today, right? Like, is Jay Carlson going to catch literally everything on the inside on the crease and dunk it in the goal? Is Rambo going to have a Rambo game? 
Uh, are the Redwoods defense going to just be just surgical and take away every ball that that's on the ground? Um, I think the biggest, the biggest aspect of the game and, and why the Redwoods, I don't think are going to be able to pull this out is because they're, they're going to be without TD. Um, Nardella, you want to talk about killers. Nardella is a killer. Um, and he's had a, he's had a killer season. I think without TD, I think the, the Redwoods are going to have a very, very tough time. Um, Dukes, what, what's your take? That's so I'm going to get this out there. I have the whip sticks to win it all. And I, the Redwoods historically have been a team that I usually lean towards or root for. Um, especially like I, I, I've always enjoyed watching Matt Cavanaugh play. So that's really been like the backbone of my fandom for them. But TD going out, really. Yeah. And this is like a Notre Dame thing. Like, it's no, just Notre Dame, Maryland right here. So this is. I know. It, it is just TD. TD. I do think that the Redwoods could win this game if TD was healthy and playing. But if he, well, one, I don't think he'll play. Two, if he plays, he, he probably has like no ligaments in his knee. And he's just doing it for the heart and soul of the team. So I, I just can't, I can't get behind the Redwoods winning this game. Um, on the Barstool Sportsbook, the Whipsticks are favored by minus one and a half. So I'll probably take Whips minus one and a half. And I'll take under 24 and a half as well. Um, I feel like these offense are too slow paced. I like the way that Rambo seamlessly fit back into the offense. I also like the pick games that they're doing with Justin Gutterding. I thought Justin Gutterding on Sunday looked really good. He looked comfortable. Um, I think that he's going to be a weapon for them in the playoffs. So, yeah, I like the whip stakes. That Jake's rant of the week was brought to you by uh, Pro Athletics. Um, you know, if, if listen, if you're going to get fired up about injury reports, uh, you know, the, the one thing that's going to make you feel a little bit better about it is if you're just as comfortable as could be and nothing fits better, feels better, and uh, allows you to be a better athlete on your road to recovery than throwing on some pro athletics gear. So head on over to proathletics.com uh, and you can put in promo code crease dive for 10% off. Um, yeah, I, I just think not having TD to take these face-offs against Joe Nardella is going to make it really difficult for the Redwoods to keep up in this one um, because as we saw with the, you know, the comeback of Matt Rambo in Week 8, I mean, just the stats speak for himself, right? First game back, he's got four goals, two assists for six points. What happens when Matt Rambo's back? Zed Williams also becomes the best lacrosse player in the world again. He had five goals on the game. So nine goals between those two guys against the Redwoods. Um, and, you know, so if, if those guys are scoring every other time they touch the ball and then Nardell is winning every faceoff because he doesn't have to go up against TD, um, I just think that that's a tough recipe for the Redwoods to overcome. And, I mean, listen, like these back-to-back reigning champs, I'm never not – going to bet against the whip snakes in the playoffs until maybe next week, but at least not right now. That's fair. All right. Well, yeah, so there's a, and again, um, over on the Barstool Sportsbook app, I mean, this is the closest matchup of the weekend for sure. So you've got Whip Snakes favored uh, at minus 127. You can get Redwoods there at even money on the money line. Um, and then, you know, if you want to take Whip Snakes minus one and a half, you're going to get a little bit of juice there at plus 120. Uh, and Redwoods at plus one and a half on the spread, you're going to get that at minus 152. So um, 
if if there is one game where you can make make a make a decent amount of coins on, uh, it'll be the Ship Snakes taking on the Redwoods in the 2019 Championship rematch. Uh, but yeah, so that is the quarterfinal round in Salt Lake City. So again, Archers Chaos tonight, 8:30 NBCSN, and then tomorrow, Saturday, 2:30 on NBC. We've got the Atlas taking on the Cannons, and then followed by Redwoods and Whip Snakes at 6 p.m all these teams playing with a trip to the greatest city in the world, Philadelphia PA on the line for September 5th. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, you guys can uh, follow us on social. We are at the crease dive on both Twitter and Instagram, and we will be keeping it low to high to the day we die. Yeah. Off with your head.